0: This is o Ship, the show where experts and leaders look back at their biggest moments of failure just so you can avoid making them. And there is no one better to squeeze the naked truth out of our charismatic guests than your host, chameleon collective founding partner, Freddie Laker. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another week of o Ship. I'm Freddie Laker, your host. And this week, I'll be joined by a great friend of mine and colleague called Tom Dennell. Tom is an exceptional, exceptional SEO guy who uh, started in the agency world and then over the last couple of years has really found incredible success as an independent consultant uh, with Inside Camillion Collective. He is also uh, a very friendly, amicable guy who loves to engage with others, both in the community, online and places like LinkedIn, and also through, you know, YouTube videos and other ways that he likes to express himself. And so I thought he would be a perfect guest to come in and and share some of the experiences and tips that he's learned about being an independent consultant and what it takes to to break through and find your path there. And given that this is just such a relevant topic today, as, as so many people are rethinking their career should look like. Do they they want to double down on their traditional corporate careers? Do they want to create portfolio careers where they're saying, look, I want to do part of my time in consulting. I want to do part of my time, uh, you know, maybe practicing uh, some creative craft that they're passionate about. Or maybe they just want to spend more time with their family. But whatever those paths are, people are thinking about ways of trying to do uh, life on their own terms. Um, And I think Tom is someone that has done that extremely well. And not only has he done that well for himself in terms of his own career, but he's also done it with some really, really top tier brands. I've, I've seen him work with uh, multiple Andreessen Horwitz uh, portfolio companies. If you follow the venture capital world, he's worked for giant software and technology firms like Okta or financial services firms like Goldman Sachs, uh, even to very cool uh, and well-known consumer fashion brands like Francesca's. So Tom's been around the block but he's also learned a lot of tricks, both good and bad along the way. And he's going to join me today where we share some new tips uh, for new potential consultants. And with that, here we go with another week of (laughs) OSHIP. Hey, Tom. Welcome to O'Ship.
1: Freddie. hello, my friends. Glad to be here. Thanks for
0: having me. Well, my pleasure. I know it's uh, early, early in your neck of the woods, so I appreciate you doing a, a morning show with us. Hey, uh, you know, before we dive in uh, to tips today, it would be great just to, just to ask you if, if you could just talk a little bit about, you know, maybe what you were doing earlier in your career and like when, when you made the jump over to being an independent consultant and, and just giving a little bit of, a little bit of context to the audience today.
1: Yeah, I I, I, that's an important part of the story to share because because the one one major thing that drives me is that I I really love helping people get free, Uh, and by that I mean free from like full time employment. So you know I I knew I wanted to be in marketing from a a pretty young age. So I went to went to school for marketing, got a degree in marketing, uh, got a job in a big New York City ad agency, and for the next. Fifteen years or so, I bounced around from sort of agency job to internal marketing job, um, and I never really kept any of those positions for more than like a year and a half. It wasn't that I got fired a lot, although I did a couple of times. It was just that I, it was just that I, I I continually just thought that like the next job or the next company would be the one that had like the culture or the organization or the coworkers that would like help me feel like. Cool, I'm actually in the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it actually took me about 15 years of banging my head against the wall until I, I realized, through the help of you know someone kind of waking me up to the to the fact that I could probably never be totally happy working for somebody else, and that I could actually take all the skills and stuff that I learned over the last you know decade and a half and put that into play as an independent consultant. So that, that's how I got to where I am now. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, worth noting, and I, I uh, and I don't mind uh, you know, saying saying it live on camera. I think you're uh, one of, if not the best, uh, SEO guy I've ever worked with. So uh, I don't know if SEO guy fits as a proper job title, but a, you know, a kind of SEO uh, specialist or expert. And so I've seen how you're able to bring this value to clients. And and when you when you get into a client situation, you're obviously going to be really successful. But I think what I want to focus on today. Is let's go. Let's go back, and if you could think about all the all the lessons you've learned along the way, if you like, go back in time and you wish you knew some things that you could share with other folks, or maybe things you tried one way and then figured out the right way to do it later, you know, t- just some great tips that are going to help people be successful. You know, where where would you like to start with that?
1: So there's one tip that comes to mind that's like absolutely crucial, like my number one biggest tip that I would give to anybody in, who, who's thinking about going into business for themselves. But because this is a streaming show and we want to get those engagement numbers up, I'm going to save that to the end. <laughs> to start, maybe let's talk about... Um, so here's a here's a common mistake that I see a lot of folks make when they're thinking about not just becoming a consultant, but starting a business of any type. Of any type. Mm-hmm. I think people fuss way too much about like the, you know, branding and having a logo and what's my you know company name gonna be and you know i need to set up a custom email domain and, and get a slack account and mm. you know i need a, an llc or an s corp i need to hire an accountant like don't worry about any of that stuff mm-hmm. when you're just starting out i think people approach consulting or, or going into business for themselves as like from a from a position naturally of inadequacy right we've for our mm-hmm. whole careers our whole lives we've seen like companies with these established brands and presences and stuff like that. And so we think in order to play in that realm, we need all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But what people don't realize is companies create those things to solve problems, not just for the sake of it, right? It's not like a, 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 a an admission ticket to being a business that you need a fancy logo and a custom Slack account or custom email. I still use just my Gmail, honestly, for a lot of different stuff. And I definitely don't have a logo. And <laughs> I create. I created an S corp out of necessity after I'd been earning money on the side for a year, and my accountant was like, "Hey, you probably need need to need to make an S corp. Like, let's get you incorporated." Like, I did it after I had started making money, not not before. I, I will say one exception that I can think of to this is like your 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 contracts. I do think that it's helpful to have a really solid MSA that protects you. And, and also to make your um, a, a MSA as like a, a master service, service
0: agreement. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like an overarching contract yeah. for your relationship with a client. And then there, you have something like an SOW or a schedule or a scope of work mm. that says, hey, here's what we're actually going to work on. Make sure that's super explicit. Like, don't, mm. don't just be excited for your first client and be like, yeah, whatever, we'll figure it out. Like th- there may come a time later on in the engagement when they're like, hey, why aren't you doing this? It's helpful to, be able to come back and say well because we didn't agree on, on doing that in the future so i would say that's one area that it helps to be really buttoned up early on
0: you you, you mentioned a second ago like not getting too fussed about your your website or, or whatever and i agree with that wholeheartedly for the record i would argue that today especially for freelancers and consultants before they even start thinking about potential like uh marketplace sites and so on that your your linkedin is like your your biggest website you know like that's a like almost mm. like a universal presence for a lot of people. You know, you talk to people a lot of times, people are looking you up on LinkedIn and just using that to kind of check out your your professional creds. You know, have you found that that's something that people are able to, to find a lot of discovery for you on?
1: Yeah, th- that's a great point. And that's, that's actually kind of in the spirit of, of the first tip that I gave, which is like, you know, don't fuss on stuff that's going to take a whole bunch of time just to like get mm. something that you think is valuable. Something like, like optimizing your LinkedIn profile for for search, like doing SEO on your own LinkedIn is actually mm-hmm. super easy, super low lift, and can actually have uh, pay really big dividends. I still get you know, I, and it more like, you know, more and more every month. Probably I get people reaching out to me cold on LinkedIn saying, "Hey, I need SEO help. Are you are you available?" And the key there is, um, and this is kind of where my experience in the in the in the SEO search engine optimization world has really come in handy. It's that when I think about my LinkedIn profile here, I'm not using the sort of pseudo professional language that that people often think they have to use, right? You see a lot of this, like, um, you know, I uh, you know, developed growth strategies for integrated channel marketing programs with, you know, international stakeholders. Like, what, what the hell does that even mean? First of all, and <laughs> secondly, no one's searching for that. You know, like, no one who needs help right now is looking for that. So you might pick something like, you know, Google ads consultant or mm. SEO consultant or mm. email marketing consultant or interim CMO, you know, think, um,
0: think about how other people are basically going to look for this stuff and use mm. those words. It's, you don't have to be, I think, you know, putting this out there for other people. You don't have to be an SEO expert to have some good foundations about thinking what what people are looking for and then and then making sure you're there. And, and actually let's use as a tangent to give a pro tip from, from my experience. And obviously I've now been, uh, a consultant for about six and a half years, you know, obviously I work in groups and i and I work independently as well and so one of the most important lessons I try and explain to people is this idea of of really honing your offering so one of the, the you know, when i when I sometimes look at some potential new consultants that are out there in whatever method that they're working, they basically try because they've done a lot of stuff in a lot of cases. Sometimes people are 20, 30 years in their career, and they just going to go out there and be a consultant. And they've done a ton of stuff. And then their, their profile and their bios or whatever, they, they read like Wikipedia. Yes, it is very comprehensive. Congratulations. You have done a lot of stuff. But I think what that does is it puts the burden on the client and says, Hey, Mr. or Mrs. client, um, you go read this Wikipedia article and then you analyze that and you tell me what I'm an expert at. And let me be super clear. No one has time for that kind of stuff. You know, clients uh, are reading through things really, really quickly. They're looking for first solutions. Everyone is extremely busy, especially the more senior that people get and they want to find a solution first. So my advice to people is when you have a specific expertise that you are trying to bring to market, as an, even as an independent consultant, think about it almost like a like a thesis statement. Your title is the thing which may be SEO optimized, like we were talking about a second ago. Maybe that thing that uh, is is uh, very clearly defined. You know, a, a growth marketing consultant or a uh, brand strategy you know consultant or whatever it may be, and and they're, they're fr- or freelance brand strategist would be another great one as an example. And then your bio. Is the supporting? If this is like classic essay writing, that the bio is like the, the intro text, and it should support that 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 thesis statement, basically the job title, and then that even the work examples you show, if someone look back at their at their history of their career, they could probably look at different jobs they had and say, look, if I may have done all these different things in those jobs, and let's say you're using LinkedIn example, but I'm only going to focus on the thing on each one of these sub jobs that supports. This statement of this thing that I'm saying I'm an expert in, because at the end of the day, in my my experience, clients, you know, they hire people full time to be generalists. They want people that are flexible and they can do lots of different stuff. But when people hire consultants, which are typically and should be more expensive than internal employees, they are hiring specialists. They want people that have done this a bunch of times. And they're going, I'm paying a premium, but I know this person, so, you know, super specialist and they can get through this task a lot faster. So my take for what it's worth. (laughs) I actually have another one that I think is super relevant and super, uh, super interesting. And this is kind of continuing down this idea of when you have got your specialization, how do you go out there um, and try and kind of uh, determine your, your, your value, you know, your rate. And so, uh, what's your take on this before I even get into my take on it? How do you think people are supposed to set their value or, or find their value?
1: Well, I think most people, when they th- think about value, they're thinking about money. Like, how much do I ch- charge? Yeah. And I-, I would actually defer to you on that part of it, because you- you've been doing this for way longer and you've worked with probably hundreds of other consultants, but but I think yeah, I've got definitely um, got a strong think, point of view on that one. <laughs> I'm, 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 I know you do. We've talked about it, but I, but there's something else that I want to add here, which is about like <laughs> uh, philosophical value or or almost um, you know like value above and beyond the work that you're actually going to be doing. And and I hope that new consultants would use this as like almost like a pep talk for themselves. So think about your value in this way. Yes, you are ostensibly being hired to provide a service. In my case, people want an optimized website for organic search. But when I come in as an independent consultant, I'm actually providing a lot more value than like just doing that one thing for them, right? So if they were to, uh, think about the alternatives to hiring a consultant. If they were to hire an agency, then they would get you know, probably some, some pretty well hashed out processes, but they're probably going to be connected with like a, you know, junior sort of mid-career kind of, you know, account manager type person who may not be an expert. And every time the client has a question, it's going to take like, let me get back to you on that, you know, <laughs> it's gonna take like a week to like respond to your questions. And, and so, you know, agencies can be kind of slow and, 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 and obviously they've got a ton of overhead, so they can be expensive too. So, so compared to that, you know you've got some value think about it now in comparison to another alternative which is the client could hire a full-time employee to do the thing that they're hiring you to mm-hmm. do and there's a ton of risk that goes along with that what if they make a bad hire you know and, and it's going to take they, they can it's a lot harder to fire a full-time employee right so there's some 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 value in thinking about your value in in, in perspective of like the Option, the other alternatives that a client could use now keep now as a consultant the client gets a ton of extra stuff right they get the flexibility to fire you whenever they want hopefully they don't do that too soon but that's a mm-hmm. that's a real benefit yes. to them you should price mm-hmm. that in you as, as a consultant you can customize your services right if the client asks for something a little bit different than the normal process at an agency good mm-hmm. luck you know they they just sort of have the things that mm-hmm. they do as a consultant, you can much more easily flex and, and, and be custom. You also can give like a, a really cool, like outside of like the corporate kind of machine perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be a real person. Right? You, you clients ask me all the time, "What do you think about the new website design?" I can be like, "Frankly, I hate it. It looks
0: because <laughs> you're not cool. talking about the politics,
1: <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Don't, I Don't have to participate in those politics if I don't want to. And 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 lastly, I actually I also have. Cons, um clients who have become friends you know um for, for, for that reason i think because i can be honest and, and they know they're getting the real me and 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 they and they get a, a friend to to vent to or, or to feel like they could take a break from sort of the you know being inside the the company mm-hmm. culture so there's a lot of value it, uh, in being a consultant and and you know pe- people should keep that in mm-hmm. mind when they're thinking mm-hmm. about how, how to price things out So I love this idea of like uh, you
0: know understanding how a client might potentially look at you know why why you versus someone else. I think it's actually a great um, great angle, and I wouldn't have thought of actually addressing some of those. So hats off to you on that. On a more like I'd say pedantic level, sometimes a lot of people just go, look, I want to start. I have no idea what I'm supposed to to build. And so uh, one of the recommendations I I I typically make to people is, um, look at you know if you were in a traditional job today look at whatever your your comp package looks like, Uh, reverse engineer that back to basically an hourly rate. And then whenever that hourly rate is, double it. And I always tell people that should be your your starting consulting rate. And the key word there being starting, but I'll touch more on that in a second. The other side of this is you then kind of go to yourself, look, you know, as a consultant, especially a new consultant, there's going to be ups and downs to how how you're doing. You're going to have to, you know, you're know have periods where you're busy, where you're not busy. And, and, you know, you need to allow for that flex because you're not, you're not, you may not be engaged all the time. And this gives you some breathing room because you know that if you are making, you know, kind of billing 15, 20 hours a week, you should be in a spot where you're kind of, Paying all your bills and, and not going to be freaking out not and not uh, uh, you know that you're that you're in a, in a good place in a comfortable place to where you were uh, before and then if you you know are fortunate enough to be an extremely popular and successful consultant, you know you would then have the ability to actually make considerably more money than you would in your traditional job, which is where this really starts getting interesting, but you know there's that that risk that comes along with that but and you'll notice the keywords I said was the starting rate. I think whenever you start doing this you 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 uh, you have the opportunity because you're your own boss to keep increasing rates to meet the market demand um, but this is I think a, a nice healthy place to be where you shouldn't totally freak anyone out unless you are really overpaid at your old job anyway.
1: <laughs> I agree with all that you know yeah, you do have to start somewhere and I see what you mean, but I like how your somewhere is like double the you know, hourly rate of your, of your, of your, of your normal, you know, like
0: in the beginning, most people don't get the, the, I think the, uh, the luck of just kind of going and be like, boom, I'm in a hundred billable hours a week, every week. So it happens. I've seen it certainly happen to quite a few people, but I don't think, you know, everyone needs to set realistic expectations. So there can be these big peaks and valleys. Um, And so I think, you know, that's part of, that's part of you. And look, even if you're a W2 employee, yeah, they may be paying you every single hour, but let's be honest, like, you know, not everyone is in, a let's just call it a classic 40-hour week. There's a lot of other random stuff that's going in there. It's not even like those 40 hours are, are fully valid, uh, billable. So I, I got, a, I got a, a, a question for you. How do you deal with clients when they approach you and they're like, they want, like, this is a common thing I've seen come up a lot, when they want spec work, when they're like trying to get you to do stuff for them uh, to earn their business? What's your, what's your take on it?
1: Hmm. Well, I, I had a, uh, a mentor give me some advice once, which was, uh, not to, not to give something for nothing. Mm -hmm. And, and crucially what that means is don't, don't take that to mean like, don't ever just give anything for, 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 for no money. What it means is if you're going to make a concession like Mm -hmm. that, make sure it's really clear what the value Mm is. To you, so I personally would probably not do spec work unless there was a really clear agreement between me and the person I was doing the work for. By the way, if 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 you don't know what spec work is, it's like free work that you do to sort of like show that you that you can that you've Mm -hmm. got the chops. I wouldn't do it unless there was a really clear arrangement. Like, yes, I'll do. I'll take a look at this for you. But you've got to make an introduction for to three of your, you know, these three people who you're connected with on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And I've done the research; found you know three good prospects Mm -hmm. that I might want to talk Mm -hmm. to on LinkedIn. You know, that I I use that advice all the time when it comes to contract negotiation too. Mm -hmm. Look, uh, you know, not um, most clients. You know, I'm I'm fortunate to be introduced to them by you know referrals or 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 friends, Mm -hmm. and there's very little sort of back and forth in negotiation when it comes to, to um, to, to setting up an SOW, but uh, sometimes it happens and look, you know, life is messy and people have different uh, preferences and needs. And so I, I'm, I'm okay to be flexible mm-hmm. with my offering, but if, if someone does need me to flex and so, so they need me to give them something, then I, I'm going to do it for something mm-hmm. in, in, in return. Mm-hmm. Let's say, for, let's say, for example, you know, the client says, look, you know, we really can't pay, you know, that much for project work. It just doesn't fit in, in my monthly budget. Okay, maybe we maybe we split that, you know, 10k job into 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 2 5k months or something, we bill it monthly or 2 6k months, right? Or something like that or or maybe, you know, you you pay the first 5k up front, right? There's always there's always some some flexibility and I think when new consultants enter this world, they're it's natural to come into this thing from a scarcity mindset, right? You don't have much business, you don't have much pipeline, you don't have much experience, you're focused on everything you don't have. But keep in mind, the person who's thinking about hiring you, there's something they don't have either. And that's you <laughs> or or the, the skills that you have as, as well. So you are allowed to push back. And, and and in fact, I find that instead of that creating a situation where the client's like mad at you because you push back, it's, it's more like it starts the relationship from a place of, of equity. You know, we're, we're, we're both giving and taking, and we're both coming. We're, we're hopefully both getting, yeah,
0: something I'm, I'm, out of I'm, this, so. I'm actually completely opposite on this. I like, i I'm super passionate about spec work. In fact, I just, you know, I'm, I'm building a house right now and I have agreed with my architect and my builders, they're going to build a quarter of the house. And if I don't like it, then, you know, I'm just not going to use them and I'll just knock it down and get another building. No, I'm just kidding. This is a stupid, <laughs> stupid idea. I hate spec work. It is terrible. Uh, I, you know, I like there's no one out there is like, Hey, when you paint part of my house or like do part of the surgery, and then I'll tell you how I'm feeling about it in professional services. So don't let clients, uh, make you do this. The only exception I think you touched on it earlier is if you are a new consultant and you are making a, a leap into a new, this is the key word in a, in a new category or a new area of specialization. That you have no credibility in, respectfully, or very little credibility in. If jumping over into that area gives you a portfolio piece that you can talk about publicly, being the key word, then it might be worth it. I've seen some people make you know career jumps, and you know uh, I'll use like a good example, like uh, maybe someone who's come in from like the agency world and they want to do like interim, and you know use my my world as an example you know they're an agency person maybe wants to make a jump over to being like an intro marketing leader and they're and they're struggling to get away from like the the agency perception that maybe some people have of them maybe you do like some work like in this new role or the discount or something like that because it allows you to say hey i've done this kind of work it's kind of like the classic like you're only as good as your portfolio kind of example but unless it's that you know you no one should be giving away you know free work in my opinion I do want to go back uh to this pricing thing and that while we're talking about free work and pricing one one more time and and you know and getting busy this is a really hard thing because I think you know a lot of times they give advice on on people that are already successful uh, consultants how to become more successful but I, you know today I really want to focus on 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 new consultants and one of the biggest things I've seen have happened is you know we talked a second ago about like how to set rates and I feel like when, when new people uh, come in and, and they set they set their rate uh, sometimes they especially if they're quite senior and they and they, they see other maybe other they're looking at their peers and they're seeing the rates that other people are around them and they're going well so-and-so gets this and that person over there gets this and and they feel that there is is, is on the same level as that person and they just started getting out there and I've seen people kind of be very fussy about their rates in the beginning. And for whatever reason, maybe it's not even about their rate. Maybe it's just something else, but they they don't pick up some of these initial uh, jobs with clients that they want. And it messes with their mojo. It like psychs, it psychs them out. And I've seen people, some of the most impressive people I've ever seen, like it, they, they, they get psyched out, they get psyched out. And then they basically they start, they start to fail because basically clients uh, they can smell that, like lack of confidence on people. I actually believe, and and so, really big pro tip for me is get get busy. You know what I mean? Like when you get out there, the very very beginning, it's not always about the rate. The most important thing people could do is get over that twenty hour threshold I talked about earlier. Get busy, get the cash flowing, because if you're j- making, especially if you're making the jump for the first time from corporate or a more traditional job, that predictability of cash flow will keep you like, yeah, everything's fine. Pay my bills. Wife or husband's happy. Everything's good, and I can keep doing this. But if you get too fussy about it in the beginning, you can you can kind of wig out a little bit, and 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 we and you don't want that. You can always raise your rates later. But number one, get that get that cash flow going. That way you're not burning down your runway or whatever. You can get fussy later. You know, get 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 the business get the business cranking. You know, you know, like any business, even if it's a business of one, it's not all about the. High-level margins at the beginning—it's like you know you want to get to break even first, and then kind of worry about it, everything else from there.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, that's that that feeling of abundance, like I have enough, big time, is like the genesis of all good decisions. I I think. I mean, there's there's a lot to be said for being down to the felt and you know just hustling to to, to try to get by. I've I've been in in those situations in my life too, but man, I tell you what, you know, if you've got Thirty grand in the bank, <laughs> uh, you you can make a lot a lot better yeah. decisions about like the kind of clients you want to take on or, or or what have you. And the same is true as if you've got a if you've got a a, a good book of business too. You know, even if it's maybe not your ideal clients or your ideal situation, if you've got just got some money coming in, the bills are paid. Now you can kind of De- desperation. Ah, uh, the
0: sm- the air of desperation is never a good look. Uh, and uh, you know, <laughs> you just, you know they, I think loan plans, especially when people are paying a premium for folks, they want to. They want to sense that you're you're this confident person that they're that they're investing is in going to get it done and, and uh, I think when people get
1: panicked that's never good. That's right. And actually, uh, on that note, so something related to that that I wanted to talk about is uh, investing in your in your space, mm. right? Um, so you kind of look around in my in my office. I've got some you know art that I like. You know, I've got some. You know bourbon that i like i've got some you know my skis there you know I've, i sort of did this like you know fancy wood panel thing here like i feel gra- i've actually got if you can look around if you can see around i've got like custom lighting you know i can change the color throughout the day and stuff i've got pictures of my idols up in front of me on the wall here you know a, a picture of a, a big fish that i caught i mean i feel comfortable right i feel really good in this space. And so every day when I when I you know wake up, I, I, I go for my run, I have some breakfast, I I, I come into this space, I feel like I have this, you know. I, I'm I'm sitting in a place of abundance, and and a lot of people might say, "Oh, that sounds kind of woo woo or whatever." No, I, I say, "Screw you!" you. <laughs> I, I feel really really good in here, and uh, and 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 I think if you can approach your your, your workday like that, now look, look, I have to disclaimer that and say, look, not everybody has the the ability I mean, to do that, you. especially right right when they're starting out. But if you can do whatever whatever you can do to kind of make your make your space as comfortable as you can to start it doesn't need to cost a lot of money
0: could 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 be the dining room table, but even then try and create, create have the lights on create it the right way create you know create whatever space you can for yourself and i think and and then putting my you know my kind of commercial uh, entrepreneur hat on there's another side to it a lot of it has to do with with presentation a second ago, I talked about projecting confidence, mm. and I think when you know, you're able to get on the call and, and it you know, you project this sense of like put together and, pro- and there's professionalism uh, that comes along with that. Or frankly, maybe it's not even professional and like your, your space is part of your brand in today's world. You know, this intimacy that we all have now as we kind of enter each other's homes is, is super important to, um, I think projecting, you know, who, who you are and what you stand for and, and what kind of experience they're going to have when they, when they work with you. Yeah, I think that's that's great. That's great, call. Cool. I mean, again, you know, a lot of people work you know working in a coffee shops. So clients don't always really want to deal with that. There, there's baggage that comes along with that. So if you you know if you can, even if you are someone who's working in a coffee shop, maybe part of your space or even let's call it your experience isn't even just the room you're in. It could be mm-hmm. your quality of your video. It could be the quality of your audio. You know, if you work in noisy places, use things like uh, I'm a big fan of something called Crisp K R I S P. Dot AI and it's an amazing, like noise canceling system that makes your audio sound a lot better. Um, you know things like that. I think would argue with maybe even like you know sitting in the periphery of that that ex- that space you create for yourself, the technology that you
1: use. Totally, totally. You know, it's funny. I in, in my my second agency job, I was a, I was at BBDO mm-hmm. in New York, and I had this um I, actually great manager, uh Lynn Firth. She actually uh she she get she she was talking to me once and she she was trying to help me in my career and she and she made the comment that you know perception is reality, yeah. and I remember at the time I was still sort of like an you know, angry young man you know just come out of college, and I was like, no, you know reality mm-hmm. is reality you know <laughs> uh, and the fact is you know that that might be the case for for some some people who who sort of you know are uh, you know, aware of that, you know, of that truth. But the fact is the the vast majority of people that you work with, they have so many things going on. They, they, they're just trying to get through their day. Most likely the conversation they're having with you is like, they're just trying to check a box. Like, yep, we're doing SEO this week. You know, that, that, that's the case a lot of time. And so, Anything we can do to kind of make their experience mm-hmm. better, make it easier, make it less sort of weird, you know, uh, uh, you know, they don't want to be talking to someone who's like in a weirdly lit room that looks like they're in like a witness witness protection program <laughs> and like their voice is all scrambled, you know, like there's things that anybody can control, you know, even if they don't have a lot of money to, to try to give a good mm-hmm. client experience right off of the bat. But I was actually curious uh, uh, to sort of switch gears a little bit about your start, Freddie. So when you think about like making a switch from like being in the maybe agency world or in-house marketing world to coming over and being like being an independent consultant, it, that can almost feel like you're you're standing at the bottom of a Mount Everest and and you can't even see the top. Like, how do you even get there? Like, what do you think is a good tip for like helping somebody to just get started yeah. and, and make that.
0: So I, I look, I, I think a lot of people see me as a, a pretty, pretty confident guy. And, but I can tell you, I'm just like every, everyone else in the sense that when I made the, the, uh, the jump, I was, I was scared. I had, uh, come through a situation where I'd kind of had a, a, a senior C C suite level role in a firm in New York where I was very unhappy. Uh, I had taken another uh, CMO role for another firm uh, that I, I liked. Fair enough, it was cool, cool tech and, and nice people, but I just had this moment. I woke up, where I just just wasn't feeling it. I don't know how else to say that. I wasn't. I just wasn't feeling it. I just thought, just thought to myself, like, I, I don't know how I'm gonna do. I don't. I just didn't see myself doing this for year more years on end. I got into a place where I was like, you know, I, I knew I didn't want to start another company. I knew I didn't want to uh I, I didn't want to move back to New York. You know, I kind of wanted to, as I frequently joked, I wanted to make New York money without living in New York. And I basically impulsively quit my job. I was like, screw it, I'm gonna be a consultant. I, I like made, I like made up my mind at like, you know, four PM on a on a on a uh, Thursday, and I quit my job at like four PM on a Friday. And then I remember, <laughs> uh, which that's not what I'm recommending to anyone watching this show on a site. <laughs> and and uh and I remember it around 10 PM that night. I had this moment where i was like sitting watch just my wife would like fall asleep and i was watching this tv on the sofa and all of a sudden i was like what have i done and i was like i was like how am i gonna find clients oh my god and uh, i got on i got on linkedin i think i stayed up like three in the morning or something crazy and i was just piling through linkedin trying to figure out like anyone i'd ever worked with that i thought you know, understood what I did and respected, you know, my specific skill set, and that might potentially be someone good that I could work with. And I just started building a list of people and I went out there and, and I, and I started reaching out, out to those folks and, and I was lucky enough to be able to build my clients list that way. But I have a, I have a chip that again, when we talked, said at the beginning of the show, I said, Hey, what are the things we did back then that some, maybe they worked, they didn't work. And what would we do now if we could go back in time? And so I have a really, really cool tip that I could give anyone out there that's considering making the jump over uh, to consulting at this point. So if, if you've never been an independent consultant before, you've never been a freelancer or anything like that, and you are thinking about doing this, you can only do this tip I'm about to give you before you kind of come out of the consulting closet or a freelancer closet or whatever you want to call it. So go out there, think about yourself as a startup product, you are the product. Okay, so if you were founding a company and you were had you were the product, you were launching a product or service. The thing you'd want to do is market validation. Right, you wouldn't theoretically. Uh, go build a product that you hadn't market validated. <clears throat> Not that I haven't done that in the past and regretted it later, but that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> but, you know, you you would you would go out there like a sane person, and you would you would really validate the product before before rolling it out. So now let's pretend you are that product. So go out there and build that list I talked about earlier. Look at your LinkedIn, just write it there. Think back through your career, whatever it may be, and write down all the people that you think, you know, understand who you are, they respect what you do, they like you, even though you don't have to be best friends, but you know that they would probably be interested in working with you again, and you'd certainly be interested in working with them again. Now, some of these folks you may not have spoken to in 10 years, and that's okay. And the reason why this market validation idea is particularly good is because it's actually a great way to reconnect with people that you've fallen out of contact with. And sometimes, by the way, a lot of people say, I find it really awkward to reach out to people I haven't spoken to in a really long time. This is a really authentic way to reconnect with people that doesn't feel weird or slimy or whatever. So if you write this list down, and this is what I should have done in hindsight, by the way. And then you go out to those folks and you send them a note and it says something like, "Hi, whatever your name is, I haven't connected with you in a number of years. I've been thinking about all the people in my career that I've worked with that I I respected and and admired and I think understood my value and what the kind of work that I did and who I re- and I, you know and who I respect and, and would value your opinion. And I know we haven't caught up at a while, but it would mean the world to me if you'd find twenty minutes to ch- ch- catch up with me. I'm considering a major life career change. And it would mean the world to me if you could just listen to it and tell me if this is a good or a bad idea, because I feel like you know and understand me. First off, who does not want to get that note? That is a nice, thoughtful, kind note. It is polite. It is an authentic and meaningful way to reconnect with someone that shows a lot of respect for that other person. You get them on the phone, video call, whatever, you and you chat, and you yeah, obviously catch up. And then you pitch them this kind of idea. Say, I'm thinking about becoming an independent consultant that does X, Y, Z, or do you think I should further my career in the traditional corporate world or whatever? And I think coming through the exercise, you're going to get one of three things are going to happen. Option one, they're going to go, wow, I never actually thought that you would be an independent or freelancing. Like I loved you. I would love to, you know, I see all these big companies you've worked at. Like I would love to work with you again. Boom. You just got your potential your first client. Option two, you know, I don't do anything like this, but I really want to help you because I think you would be great at this. I, I, I met someone the other day who, funny enough, was saying they needed someone like this. Would you like me to introduce you? Two, you just got your first or second client or option three. They go, you know, uh, Tom, I think you're, I think you're great. And you, you know, really smart guy, but just kind of feel like the corporate environment is like more your thing. Like I think you're really great at navigating the nuances of company politics and like, you just such, you know, you just really seem to have a way in this kind of structure. Like I think you should, and you're doing, you've got such great momentum. I think you should stick to it. And, you know, right or wrong, this is market validation. And I've given this advice to a whole bunch of people over the years. And nine out of 10 people actually, because they wanted to be consultants, actually found their first clients this way. And one out of 10 people found out that they probably shouldn't be consultants and probably saved themselves a lot of pain and embarrassment from going out there and, and uh, you know, potentially doing this and then failing or having to walk it back. So that would be like my 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 super pro tip. And i hope, sorry for the long story, but I just think it's it's a, it's a really, really, really solid bit of advice that I've seen executed really well a number of times now um, to help people get started.
1: Yeah, I could I could actually even add to that, and and, and maybe I mean it's a it's that's an amazing tip, and a lot of people wouldn't even think to do that. I would just enhance it, maybe even even further, by saying, you know, take yourself really seriously mm-hmm. during that process. It, it's the same, you know. I have a I have a friend, Jason, whose dad's a dentist, and he, his dad's constantly telling him, you know, Jason, when you go to the doctor or a dentist or any healthcare professional, be your own advocate, really stick up for yourself, and, and ask hard questions. Don't just take a quick sort of response and 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 have them sort of hurry you out of the mm-hmm. office. I think the same applies to when you're trying to validate a product. I've I've been through that process and what happens uh, what can happen a lot of the time is folks will be like, you know, they don't want to offend you and so they'll say, "Great, you know, sounds like a really good idea. I think you should really do this." That that can be really good feedback or it could be really bad feedback. It it, it just depends on 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 kind of how they're thinking about it. So don't be afraid to push back and say, Great, I'm, I'm glad you're excited about it. How would you price this kind of service, mm-hmm. or you know, what do you think it's worth? Right, Re- really ask some 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 clarifying mm-hmm. questions there to make sure that you're getting like the, the the kind of the real stuff, right, and not just you know your friend doesn't want to doesn't want to offend you. Um, I, I think that's that's super critical.
0: Great, great add on. So Tom, I want to be conscious of time today. This is an awesome, awesome episode. I think there's some really valuable tips in here for for any any consultant, frankly, new and, and even established people. I'm going to final question. What is the number one thing that you think you've learned uh, after doing this for a number of years now that, that uh, helps you to be a super successful
1: consultant? Yep. I, th- I said, I would share that one. So, so thanks. For oh, yeah, a good point. You did <laughs> have a big hold up to that, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I hope, I, I, hope it, I didn't blow it for you.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. That's it's perfect timing actually. So, so the number one, Principle that I think uh, independent consultants need to have uh, if they're going to be successful at this is integrity, and I don't mean this from like a preachy, you know, uh, holier-than-thou perspective. All I mean is like, do what you say you're going to do, and and when you screw something up, like own it and and try to make it right. You know, we're we're all humans, and and you know, we're even you know a subset of humans called marketing consultants. You know, and so <laughs> of course, you know, we're not perfect. We we all make mistakes. But, but try your best, you know, and, and, and the little things really matter here when you're talking about integrity, you know, an example you see all the time is someone says, Hey, yeah, you know, I'll get that, um, I'll get that proposal to you on, on Wednesday. And then it's, you know, Thursday afternoon and still no proposal. And you're kind of left wondering, well, you know, what, where is it? Should I, should I follow up? uh am, would i am i be am i bothering this person maybe they had an emergency or something came up right the simple act of not sending the proposal on wednesday has created this like cascade of doubt about you frankly and you know if i work with somebody and they say they'll get me something on on wednesday it's totally fine if they get it to me on thursday as long as they tell me on wednesday hey not going to be able to get this thing to you mm-hmm. you know I have until Thursday. Yeah, usually yeah, no problem at all, right? But it's about just the communication and the integrity. Do what you say you will do. And 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 that I think is the reason that I've gotten so many referrals from satisfied clients. It's not that I'm, you know, a, an absolute genius and I know everything about SEO. I'm always learning, but I try to give clients a good experience working with me mm-hmm. and the simple act of doing the things you say you will do, in my opinion, has has, has really helped helped me to do that. You, you
0: know, this makes me think about, I was rewatching this uh, thing from Simon Sinek the other day about about uh, performance uh, versus trust. It was kind of talking about how, uh, like in SEAL Team Six or whatever, how they were looking at like how they value a team member, and there was this kind of trust meter that went one direction, and this performance meter that went this way. And they said, "Look, when we have team members where they're." We're low on trust, even if they're the highest performing people. Uh, you know, we would actually rather have someone that was like maybe not quite as high performing, but super high on trust, because those are the ultimate team members. Those are the, the you know the reliability and and I and I would argue that this integrity and you know doing what you're saying you do that's trust, right? That that like that builds trust, and those and those are the people. I mean, just speaking personally, that's that's who I surround myself with. Those are the people that I always go to you know, I frequently talk about how I like people with heart when the other thing, but in the day it's because I trust them. And I think people with integrity or, I mean, that's, that's it. That's that's, that's the jam right there. So I think that's, that's great advice. It seems straightforward, but you, you know, this needs to be core. You know, Everyone is a brand and as a, as a independent or freelancer in any way, you, you know, you are your own brand. Uh, your integrity is, uh, extension of your your uh, you know your reputation so I, I would say as a as a final uh, comment and, and final thoughts you know've and I've said this expression on Oship ship before but I'm going to say it again uh, today one of the bits of advice my father gave me that that really always stuck with me um, when, you know he had some sayings that were quite uh, well known and, and famous over the years but um, this one was just something he said to me in private um, and he said your reputation is the only thing in life that you you can't be taken away from you, you can only give it away. He goes, you know, if you if you don't if you don't do things to let people take your reputation away, it can't be taken away. But you wow. your actions and the things you do, you can you can give it away, and you need to be super super careful with that. Uh, and it certainly um, it has impacted me uh, lifelong. And I think I really feel echoes of of that and what you just talked about, Tom, in terms of the value um, of integrity. I'm going to use this as a great place to end for the day. I thoroughly enjoyed uh, that episode, Tom. It was great to talk through all this. It's clearly something you and I are both really passionate about. I hope our audience uh, today, whether you're watching live uh, across LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter or uh, YouTube, any of the platforms we love to stream on, or you're listening through our new audio podcasts uh, on any of the major podcasting platforms out there, we really thank you for tuning in. Please continue to support the show. We love that you're showing up every week. Tell your friends, give us a like, share it on your social feeds. Um, you know, whatever, whatever it takes, we appreciate all those, all those little bits of effort that really helping the O'Ship show continue uh, to grow. Tom, any, uh, any key places you want people to look out for
1: you? Yeah. Uh, professionally, I'm just all in on LinkedIn. So um, I, I, I will say like my, one of the things that really drives me is uh, helping people get free of, of full-time employment. And, uh, and if you've watched this and you have questions and you just, you want someone to talk to about it, I am crazy busy, but I will always, always, always make time for somebody who, who wants to explore that as an option. So yeah, find me on LinkedIn, send me a message. It'd be great to connect.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Tom. Well, uh, great to have you on. Uh, thanks again for everyone tuning in. And we'll see you next week on O-SHIP. The O-SHIP Show is brought to you by Chameleon Collective, where we lead, scale, and adapt to build and grow great companies. You can learn more at chameleoncollective.com. Freddie will see you next time when we will once again be raising
1: the sails for the O-SHIP Show.